VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I am Patricia Raskin. And, you know, as I always say about Voice America, because I've been on Voice America since practically the beginning, we're now, we are now in year six, I always say that Voice America believes that information is power, the Internet is the future, and the future is now. And that's what my program's all about. Positive Living is about bringing you practical solutions and positive strategies and all kinds of inspiration to help you make your dreams happen. We certainly have a very inspirational program for you today. And you can call us if you're calling on December 17th live. Otherwise, you can listen to our archives. And that would be we're on 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern, 11 to noon Pacific. But you can log on to voiceamerica.com and raskinresources.com and hear the archives of this program. So my guest today on Positive Living, and you can give us a call if you're listening live, which is 866-472-5788. My guest today is Dr. Harold Lothman. His book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel, Confessions of a Near Centenarian with Five Lives. This is a very inspirational man who, of New York City at age 95 has had five lives and three professions and almost killed Yasha Heifetz. And he also started a new business in his 70s. After a 40-year career as a noted vascular surgeon and researcher, he is still a consultant to the firm since 1982. He also walks up Madison Avenue every morning, rain or shine, for two miles. And he refuses to join the chorus of so many elderly people constantly complaining about physical deterioration, of being deprived of old skills and hobbies, he writes in his new book, One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. Welcome, Dr. Lothman. Thank you. Are you there? I'm delighted to be here. Well, you're, you're really an inspiration, I have to tell you. My dad is 91, and um, it's, it's, you know, I, I think my first question to you is I'm a baby boomer, as so many people are, and the question is what do you say to those folks in their 50s and 60s who are approaching the elderly years? What do you say to, say to them about being 95 and healthy and, and having all the faculties the way you do. What do you, what's your advice? Well, uh, to be complete about it, you're going to have to read the first uh, chapter of my new book, which is not out yet, which is entitled How to Thrive After 95. Wow. Uh, I will be 96 in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, the first chapter in the book is entitled First You, first you Have to Get There. Yeah. Meaning, first, you have to do the right things to get to be 95. That's right. And uh, What are they? Well, it's a complicated issue because it's a mixture of many things. Uh, number one, I suppose, would be the um, uh, genetics involved. Um, number two, the fact is that people are living longer these days, and the reasons for that are many. Um, I think perhaps... Uh, prime and foremost, uh, better medical care, better surgical care, and uh, the various uh, issues that go into um, 
that type of thing, including uh, diet, exercise, and um, personal habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when you mix all this together into a, a soup, so to speak, and try to drink it, it's different for different people because different people have different rates of metabolism. Yes. As we grow older, our hormonal system changes, and um, uh, we don't um, uh, digest foods as well as we did, and we don't um, uh, react to stress as well as we did. And um, the fact of the matter is that the most common uh, complaints of people who uh, survive the physical vicissitudes of life are in the uh, psychological sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the most prominent of those uh, is uh, depression. And um, depression gets expressed in many ways, all the way from such things as obsessional eating to, um, uh, let's say, suicidal tendencies um, and everything in between. So, Let me uh, ask you this question. If, you know, in going back and looking at your own life, knowing that genes are certainly a factor, but lifestyle is a big factor as well, what do you think it is that has kept you going? Is it the love of your profession? Is it good people around you? Is it positive attitude? Is it eating well? Is it exercising? Is it all of that? Well, I, I believe it's all of it, and, and it differs in various people. Um, I seem to have been born with a gene that says you have to keep doing something, keep going. Yeah. And uh, the uh, platitude that uh, has survived from that is that uh, use it or lose it. Um, I find that if I don't get my walk in every day, uh, I feel stiff and I feel uncomfortable. Uh, now, um, you can't start doing exercise suddenly at the age of 90 or 95 or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> I've been an athlete all my life, and um, I think that that's a very important starting point. Um, <clears throat> people who aren't really athletes but who keep active physically, one way or another, uh, have a better chance of retaining those functions than people who don't use them. Um, as far as... Um, what about attitude? What about the way well, you... Attitude think? is a very important issue. Uh, the, the whole psychological sphere is, is extremely important, it seems to me. Um, I, I believe that, for example, I look forward to uh, my period after 95 because I, I look upon it as, as a, uh, an experiment. Uh, you know, it can be written about by people who are younger and who maybe observe carefully uh, people who are older around them in order to make um, generalities, but that doesn't make it an individual subjective experience, which I'm trying to write about as we go. Um I don't know whether I'm making myself clear or whether you, it's you are. Let me ask you but, this: when uh, you it is started, a very complicated issue, and um, one one uh, uh, formula doesn't fit all. Um, right, exactly. Let's let me go back. Since your book is really about your journey, so that's let's right. talk a little bit more about your journey. Did you always know as a child that you wanted to become a physician and a surgeon, or did this happen to you maybe in your later no, uh <clears throat> No, there's a little anecdote about that in the book, as a matter of fact. Um, 
I, I had one problem I had all through life, even today, is every time I learned something new, all my teachers, for example, if I took a course in physics, I wanted to be a physicist. If I took a course in physical chemistry, I was going to be a physical chemist. And I did that with the arts as well because I, I, I seemed to have talent in, in, in the arts. And when I went to art school and I took music lessons um, and listened to the old records of the great performers of the day, I, I could play like that if I worked hard and, and practiced and all the rest. But um, that was an attitude and I think that a type of attitude and confidence in oneself uh, may be the best answer to your question. But you didn't really know about being a physician. You wanted to be a musician, it sounds like. Well, the story about that is when I came home with, with the, this uh, note from, from the uh, uh, University of Chicago that I was admitted to the medical school, uh, my mother was actually disappointed. She said, I always thought you were going to be either an artist or a musician. That's, that's unusual. You you usually the parents are thrilled if you want to become a physician. <laughs> exactly. And, and in her case, uh, she soon uh, got over her, her uh, slight disappointment. Actually, she was very proud and all that. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it, it was just the reverse of most, most mothers uh, and most people who... Um, you know, would, would think that, that was a very a nice thing uh, as against uh, a disappointment. But the point was that I, I wanted to do everything that I was exposed to, and I always felt I could do it well. Uh, it sounded like, sounds like you had a great curiosity for things, and if you got involved in something, you really gave it your all. Exactly, and that was what prompted my yeah. life in, in research. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about that. I want to hear more about the research and just about your life and really what we're talking about today, and, and we're going to take a break. My guest is Dr. Harold Lothman, who at age 95 is pretty amazing. His new book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. And he has had five lives and three professions and has been a vascular surgeon, a researcher, and is a consultant to the firm still. He started a new business at 70. He walks up Madison Avenue every day for two miles. Pretty amazing. And so we're talking more about that as an inspiration to all of us for positive aging in our lives. You can call us after the break at 866-472-5788 if you're listening on December 17th live and you're listening to Positive Living I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time. When pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance, tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com everyone, we are back. We're listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. And I have a, such an inspirational program for you today. I'm really excited about it. Um, you can call in live if you're listening today on December 17th at 866-472-5788. My guest today is Dr. Harold Lothman. His new book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. Confessions of a Near Centenarian with Five Lives. Talk about inspiration and the art of aging. Dr. Harold Lofman of New York City is 95. He has had five lives and three professions, and he almost killed Yasha Heifetz. At 95, this near centenarian has just written his book, One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. He, he has started a new business in his 70s, after a 40-year career as a noted vascular surgeon and researcher, he is still a consultant to the firm since 1982. He walks up Madison Avenue every morning, rain or shine, for two miles. And he refuses to join the chorus of so many elderly people constantly complaining about physical deterioration, being deprived of old skills and hobbies. Welcome back, Dr. Harold Laughlin. Thank you. Well, I'm hoping that my 91-year-old inspirational father, Mel Raskin, is listening to this. Well, from good. another part of the country. Um, and if you are, Dad, give us a call with your thoughts at 866-472-5788. Anyway, Dr. Lothman, I am really inspired by your book and what you've done. Here's my question. Having been a physician and an artist and really very, almost a, really a Renaissance man, you know, you've seen near death. You've seen people on the operating table. You've seen people deteriorating physically and mentally. I guess my question is, what has that taught you about life and what you have done in your own life to live the kind of life you're living? 
Well, that's a huge question. I'll do my best to try to right. put it into a few words. Um, we all have our stresses, and uh, we all have our ways of getting over them uh, if we, we want to. And um, I have, throughout life, had some very severe uh, tragedies happen. I lost two wives, one after 20 years of marriage, the other after 23 years of marriage. And um, uh, these are devastating things. Uh, another thing that happened in my life was um, I had this offer that I couldn't refuse um, and at the age of uh, 57 um, accepted an appointment in New York uh, having been in Chicago in all my life, born in Milwaukee, uh, and um, I accepted this um, appointment in New York. And when I arrived in New York, the man who offered it to me and who was my mentor to be my mentor in New York had died the night before I arrived. And I, my bottom, the bottom just dropped out of everything at that time. What were you going to do? Teach? I was going to become the institute. <laughs> the director of the Institute for Surgical Studies hmm. at Montefiore Medical Center uh, in New York, <clears throat> having done a great deal of research in Chicago at Northwestern University, hmm. largely in the field of um, vascular physiology, surgical physiology. And um, uh, we did a few things that were sort of landmark uh, out of my bibliography of some 350 papers, I, um, uh, they, they have designated about two dozen of them as landmark papers that were either award winners or uh, landmark essays. So what did you do when this, this person who appointed you to this position died? What happened then to you, for you? Well, uh, after weighing all of the positives the best I could as well as the negatives and putting it all together I had to decide whether I was going to stay in New York and make the best of it or return to Chicago and resume where I was before and I de decided I would explore the new world and stay in New York <laughs> and um, beca because I also had training as, an, as a bioengineer um, and my surgical career was um, largely in its seniority by that time, I continued to do some surgical research as well as vascular surgery until I was 70. And uh, then I got into my uh, engineering career. And um, when, when you say, how did I get over stresses? I got over my, my stresses largely by two uh, activities. One was work mm -hmm. and one was relying on my, by that time, hobbies. And uh, I would draw, I would paint, I would pick up the violin and um, practice. And um, I would get some ideas for research while I was doing these other things. And that took my mind off the tragedies. And I would recover and, and come up with something uh, <coughs> very constructive out of the uh, destructive uh, attitude that, that uh, started it all off. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I was able to draw upon my, my uh, other activities 
to a large extent and look forward rather than backward as to uh, what was new and what was coming. Uh, I don't know if I'm making myself clear Yeah, enough. you are. Um, I mean, you, you took advantage of opportunities, obviously, and you, and you went into the things that you loved, the things That's in right. the arts and the other hobbies that you had. My question is, as you look back now at the age of 95 and you look at where we are today in our system, now in terms of the elderly, I see this with my own parents, where do you, what kind of a picture do you see of where we are in terms of health and health care and as we age? Well, it's a mixed picture at the moment. I think it's on its way up uh, from there. The mixed picture is that um, there's too many older people, I think, um, who are not getting adequate care Mm -hmm. uh, and are uh, allowed to uh, sort of wallow in their their depression and uh, are given medications uh, that might pick their mood up a bit or might uh, uh, help out this symptom or that symptom and um, not really treat the individual as such. And uh, that's the sad part of uh, uh, the current situation, as I see it. The good part is that people are living longer and are, are living more productive lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, a number of people um, in, in my sphere who, um, uh, upon uh, uh, doing a, a complete life as a, a surgeon or as a, a doctor of one type or another, uh, go into a profession and um, uh, in my book, <laughs> one of my, uh, you know, we all have our idols. And one of my idols was Carl Walter of Harvard. And I lectured there a number of times. Um, and actually, I was called upon to give his eulogy when he died. Mm. Uh, after a career uh, in surgery, uh, he uh, became um, uh a managing officer in the firm of Fenwall, uh, people who provided intravenous fluids and that sort of thing, because he was an expert in uh, 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 sterilization and, and uh, he was the original Mr. Clean, as far as I'm concerned. In any case, um, uh, people like that, that served as, as stimulus to, to uh, my looking forward and... Um, my my career uh, until I was um, uh, well into my 80s was as a bioengineer designing operating rooms. My firm is still going in, out of Englewood, New Jersey, HLA Systems. Uh, and by now we have uh, either uh, designed or aided in the design of, of operating rooms around the world. Um, now, I, I want to go back with you because I think, you know, again, what you've done is remarkable. And I want to look at this in, in view of what we can do particularly those of us who are baby boomers and are going into our elderly years. And we talked about this in the beginning, but from all of your work, both in your hobbies and the work that you've loved and you've managed to be able to do work that you've loved your whole life, it sounds like, what do you say to the baby boomers right now about positive aging? Positive aging involves, number one, health. In other words, <laughs> the old diet and exercise lecture uh, is more co- po- more cogent today than ever. Uh, 
and um, people have to, for example, you don't see many people over 90 who are obese. Okay, that tells you something, doesn't it? Uh, it also tells you something when we realize that what do we do when we celebrate and 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 um, uh, have have an occasion for uh, celebration? We eat and we drink, and those <laughs> those are the two worst things we could possibly do. But uh, these are indulgences that shorten life or make life more miserable than it should be, and uh, they harden the arteries and they do the various other bad, bad things in our physiology. And so the first thing is to maintain a level of health. Um, with that goes uh, some le- level of financial security. As a baby boomer, you can watch um, <clears throat> to see to it that you're not going to die a poor person and you'll always have something to live on in terms of um, either good investments or life savings or uh, some some um, way in which uh, uh, you can look forward to your own further security. So with health and call it wealth if you like, but uh, health and 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 good financial standings, you can plan for your old age as a baby boomer. And from then on, you can get details under each of these headings. But to me. Uh, they are the two that will bolster the psychological uh, end of... Uh, All right, we're going to take a break. My okay. guest is Dr. Harold Lofman, whose book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel, Confessions of a Near Centenarian with Five Lives. Dr. Harold Lofman, at age 95, has had five lives and three professions. He started a new business in his 70s. After a 40-year career as a noted vascular surgeon and researcher, he is still a consultant to the firm since 1982. He walks up Madison Avenue every morning, rain or shine, for two miles and refuses to give in to that whole idea of deterioration as we age. Folks, you can call us after the break at 866-472-5788 if you're listening on Monday, December 17th, today between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon Pacific. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? 
The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Voiceamerica.com. We are back. You were listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. I was about to say, were you listening to Positive Aging, which you are, but we're on Positive Living. And I have a wonderful guest for you today. My guest is very inspirational, near centenarian. His name is Dr. Harold Lofman. His book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel, Confessions of a Near Centenarian with Five Lives. Dr. Harold Lofman lives in New York City. He is a very busy man. He started a new business in the 70s. He's had a 40-year career as a noted vascular surgeon and researcher and is still a consultant to the firm. He walks up Madison Avenue every morning, rain or shine, for two miles and uh, isn't going to join the course of people who think that we have to deteriorate as we age. He also almost killed Yasha Heifetz, and so we have to talk about that as well. Welcome back, Dr. Lofman. Thank you. Okay, tell us about this almost killing Yasha Heifetz, the famous violinist. Right? <laughs> well, I was yes. in the army, and and um, uh, I was in the Italian theater, uh, North Africa, Sicily, and Italy, uh, and uh, we were with the Fifth Army, and uh, uh, I was a surgeon with the 15th, 16th Evacuation Hospital, and um, as the uh, battle line moved its way up the peninsula. Uh, we would have rest periods while we were being leaf, leapfrogged by other hospitals uh, to the front above us. And uh, during these rest period, periods, we would be entertained by uh, famous musicians or actors and uh, other such personalities. Uh, I was the special service officer of my outfit, and it was my job to meet the celebrity at the uh, airport or at the seaport and see that their papers were in order and so on and get them started on their little tour. And um, I met Yasha Heifetz, um, and uh, <clears throat> I saw that he did not have his TAT, tetanus antitoxin, shot. So it occurred to me I ought to do that pretty soon. Um, and I neglected to ask him uh, whether they had tried a test dose and then decided not to give it to him. And I just took him into a, a local... Um, a medical station near the port, and um, uh, gave him an interest dermal dose of TAT, a tenth of a cc, which is a test dose to see if he was allergic. And while he, we were waiting for the react, possible reaction, uh, we started to talk, and um, we talked music. We talked violin, and we talked concerts, and uh, we were going along fine and, until he, after a few moments, he started to turn pale and eyes got dull and um, we got him over to an examining table and, and laid him down and he was 
unconscious. He took his blood pressure and it was virtually zero. And I immediately went into shock myself and um, visualized the headlines back home. Uh, a young army surgeon kills famous musician and figured this is the end of my career as well as his life and the end of the world. And um, uh, I looked for some adrenaline. There was none around. Of course, uh, uh, the uh, steroids were not available in those days. Uh, uh, and um, so after what seemed like hours, but it was just moments, uh, he began to flicker his eyelids and can't come to and said, How am I doing, Doc? And I said, you're doing beautifully, Mr. Heifetz. And and make a long story short, he did very well. We became very good friends after that. He gave his concert the next day in an open field. Mm. And um, uh, every time he came through Chicago after the war, uh, he would call me and we'd get together. And it so happens that uh, for many years after that, I uh, played sonatas with his accompanist who accompanied him to Italy during the war, uh, Milton Kay who uh, lived to be 96, and um, we played uh, sonatas until uh, really? a year before he died. So you played with him? Yeah. So he play, you played the fiddle and he played the violin? No, no, that's the same thing, the fiddle and the violin are the same thing. Well, my, I think it's my, right. That's a nickname for a violin. <laughs> the name fiddle is a nickname for violin. I, Milton Kay was the accompanist uh, of the Asha Heifetzes, and we would play uh, sonatas, violin piano sonatas, oh, Beethoven, Mozart, and so on. Mm. Wow, you know it's um, it is it's amazing, and I uh, I've asked my dad to call in, so I don't know if he will, but if he doesn't and he's listening, I'm going to say this: I have a dad who's 91, and he and my mother have been married 63 years, and she's now battling dementia. However, my dad has had three professions in his life: he was a dentist, and then was called to go to New York to another New York story. He became a big corporate executive for Blue Cross Blue Shield and created and was a pioneer for dental insurance in the late 70s, early 80s. He was one of the forefront people. And then they retired to Florida after being in New York and Connecticut, and he became the lay leader of his synagogue for 13 years. Mm. And it's amazing. And at 91, he's still so sharp and still gives me wonderful advice, and I'm still so close to him and very thankful I have him. And, you know, one of the things that I'm realizing, and I, I'd like you to address this as I, as I see my mother and, and it's difficult, is it seems to me that having your mental faculties is almost more important in a way than physical. It's, it's almost worse to see the mental deterioration. I, mean, I agree with you. You do. I agree with you, absolutely. And I, I, I do believe, on the other hand, that um, within the next decade, we will have a treatment for uh, such things um, which will probably come from the sphere of, of cell, uh, embryonic cell uh, research. Uh, and there uh, are experiments now being done in animals, uh, some of which are written in the popular press, actually, um, that, that um, show great promise uh, for the treatment of such diseases as the Alzheimer's and the Parkinson's and the yeah. type of thing that hap- happens to some old people. And the fact is, the brain, and contrary to previous beliefs, the brain uh, can reconstitute learning at, at any age, uh, well into the 90s uh, and beyond perhaps, 
um, uh, by uh, new synapses that form between the neurons, and um, this is all, all becoming a new science, so there's great hope ahead. Now, the question is, how soon can it become practical? Yeah. And that I can't tell you. Well, here's, here's another issue, and I, I love your comments on this, and this is about the whole idea of aging and then getting care. Now, you are healthy, and I assume you live on your own, and you can handle your own life. But there are so many people in their 80s and 90s that can't, that are in nursing homes or assisted living homes or independent living. And, you know, many times what happens is they're spending a fortune for this kind of care. Exactly. And it's not always perfect. So what are your comments on that? You know, I said to someone the other day, what does somebody do who really doesn't have a lot of money to be able to get this kind of care? What do they do? And I think that was when you alluded to what's important is to have financial security in your exactly. life. Exactly. But talk about that. Well, I, I think the, the system is far from perfect, and uh, people who just don't have the money uh, go to the various institutions that uh, don't give the appropriate care, or if they attempt to give the appropriate care, don't have the budget to, get, to, do, to do what they'd like to do, uh, in terms of hiring expert help and so on and so forth, <laughs> so that I, I um, and yet it's very expensive. Very Having expensive. What you, said, what you just said, it's still very expensive. Exactly. Well, the very cost of living is, is expensive these days. Uh, even the cost of food, let alone lodging, and and um, um, then the professional help that has to go with the treatment of such people. Um, the best care is really not available to them, and it's a sad and, and tragic story, actually, but um, it's, it's a true one, and um, it isn't being answered by uh, today's uh, government or any other thing as, as yet. But I do believe that um, as people uh, live longer and... Um, are being um, uh, the, the, the population of, of, of senile dementia patients is growing uh, by leaps and bounds. Um, something is going to have to be done uh, along the lines of your suggestions of uh, getting better care and better help for people and, who need it. And yet, and yet, are we seeing a lot of you know assisted living places that? work with folks that have dementia, that they have memory support centers and they have systems that help people. So right. they are starting. I mean, there are those mechanisms in place That's right. to help people with jog their memory. There, there are such things in place, but the question remains, how good are they? Are they, are they um, really top-notch or are they going through the motions and looking as if they're doing something and really are not doing it. <laughs> I visited a number of such places in recent years, and um, I, I must say I was rather rather disappointed. And in, in, uh, in the effort is there, the, the, the desire to do something is there, but the ability is not there yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell us about how you walk two miles every day. Do you still do that, Dr. Lothman, every single day? Yes, it, it doesn't... It's not limited to Madison Avenue, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> That's my main route, but uh, I go northeast, west, and south, depending on the weather and, and the number of errands I may have to do. But um, 
I, I managed to walk at least that amount uh, every day. You and have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. I have great-grandchildren, indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have two great-grandchildren, one seven and one five, mm-hmm. uh, both, of course, uh, marvelous, wonderful, genius kids. And, um, Are, is your family near you? Is your, I beg family, your is your family near you? Relatively near. They're all east, but they're not in New York. Um, yeah. <clears throat> most of them are around the Washington area because my my uh, son's-in-law, uh, <clears throat> um, well, one is a physicist. He's the head of the Grants Division of the U.S. Department of Energy, and, and uh, he's a particle physicist yeah. and was professor at the University of Illinois where he met my daughter, and that's, she was on a faculty, a music faculty there. And... Uh, <clears throat> My um, my other daughter is is um, the pianist, and she uh, she's um, uh, <coughs> married to. They're separated now because he has he's in his seventies and has mental disease, <coughs> and is living in a a separate um, facility, mm-hmm. which is costing no less than sixty five hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and um, uh, so far at least. Um, uh, he has a daughter, my granddaughter, the actress, who is is um, doing very well financially. It sounds like uh, you're, so much of your family followed the part of the arts that you followed. That's the true. Side. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And and um, uh, my um, grandson is a lawyer, and um, he's with the Department of Justice. Uh, he's in the environmental division. Um, Having gone to the University of Chicago, where he has a degree in, in um, environmental science, in addition to his law degree, so that um, they're all east. And I, as a matter of fact, uh, next week uh, Christmas, um, going down and we spend my birthday, which is in January, Wonderful. Wonderful. and Christmas together. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we're going to have to take a break. My guest is Dr. Harold Lofman. His book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. Uh, at age 95, he started a new business in the 70s. He's had a 40-year career as a noted vascular surgeon and researcher. He walks every day for two miles. And he really has a lot to say about living and positive living. We're going to hear more after the break. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. 
Young people, do you want a forum to discuss your ideas and thoughts about what matters most to you? Speak Up brings together diverse voices, cultures, and ideologies from college-age adults across the country. Host Gina Holland provides a different perspective on how current affairs impact future generations. Broadcasting live every Thursday, Speak Up with Gina urges young Americans to think, ask pertinent questions, and affect change. That's Speak Up with Gina, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi everyone, we are back. You are listening to Positive Living and I'm Patricia Raskin. We have a great guest for you today. His name is Dr. Harold Laughlin. His book is One Man's Century with Pen, Brush, Fiddle, and Scalpel. Confessions of a Near Centenarian with Five Lives. He's been a vascular surgeon for 40 years. He consults to his firm. At 95, he started a new business in the 70s. He walks up Madison Avenue every day for two miles. He's been an artist. He's been a violinist. I mean, all sorts of just amazing things. And welcome back, Dr. Lofman. Thank you. All right. Um, we have a caller on the air, and I know who this is. Hello, this is Mel from Rhode Island, right? Right. Well, I have to tell the listeners who this person is. This is my dad, Mel Raskin, who's 91, and to me is a real inspiration. Okay, Dad, you've been listening to this interview. What do you think? Well, I admire your guest. I, I wish him longer life and healthy life. And uh, I have a few remarks to make about aging since I'm in an aging institution, an assisted living institution. Mm-hmm. I think one of the problems is that as we, when we are younger, we can't imagine what old age is like. The dream that most people have is to be able to retire. And yet, when you get to the age of retirement, unless you have something to do, it's very boring. And old age is very boring in and of itself because... Many times you can't see, you can't hear, you don't have the manual dexterity, and so it is very difficult to manage your life when you're in that type of situation. And when you look at life, you look back and you wonder, what is it all about? And as the good doctor was speaking about his grandchildren and great-grandchildren, I too looked back and realize that that is what old age is all about, is hoping to be able to get great joy and satisfaction at, a, at what you have created and what you will leave behind. Mm. Wow. All right, Dr. Lothman, your comments on this. I agree with everything your dad says, and I'd love to meet him one of these days. Okay. All right, we'll go into practice together. <laughs> So cute. <laughs> the, fact, the fact of the matter is, um, all these things are very, very true, um, and, and there's very little you can do prophylactically to prevent uh, the, the um, loneliness, and, and um, uh, I find um, I don't have much loneliness because of my hobbies, and um, although I, because of my macular degeneration, I can't read music very well anymore. I play along with the CDs, and I pick up the fiddle, and I play my 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 stress away, so to speak, 
and um, uh, when I'm tired, I listen to others play, um, and um, I, I do very little drawing anymore. But for, for a long time, I, I I filled notebooks with with all sorts of art and paintings, um, and um, I still, you know, uh, enjoy. Um, the hobbies, I go to concerts, I'm a patron of the Philharmonic and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I have companions that I go with and, and um, uh, I have friends and uh, the, the family, even though they don't live here, we talk a lot, we email uh, each other all the time. And um, I have family in England um, uh, whom we uh, correspond with all the time, and um, it's a busy life. But the important thing is, as your dad says, you have to have an agenda. I get up every morning, and I have things to do. I I, I wonder whether I have time to finish it all in one day. Mm-hmm. But the point is, that's how to keep busy, and it, I call it happy uh I suppose that, uh, that's okay. overstating it. It's all right. All right. Dad, your well, comments on this. That's great. Uh, I have my computer, which keeps me busy, too. Uh, but I think one of the interesting things that I've resorted to is my happy hour. And uh, one a day, and that's it. And uh, you get that feeling of the world's okay. <laughs> Everybody is is happy, and uh, that's the way you live your life. It's very good. It's very interesting uh, from various points of view. My wife has got dementia. She is with me. We have lived together for 63 years. She's gotten to the stage where it is dangerous for her to be alone or with me at night. And so we are now planning to put her in that portion of the institution that will watch her and guard her 24-7. Right. But the problem is, if you are close, as I am, you sort of have a guilt feeling. Maybe you're deserting your wife. And though everybody says no, it's a pretty hard to just forget that type of feeling. Of course. And then who knows how long the game is going to be played. So you just go ahead and do whatever you have to. Right. Don't try to second guess anything because you can't. That's it. you're absolutely right, and and I see that sort of thing played out in my family and various friends around me, um, and I think um, the the fact is that many of us wouldn't be here if not for the kind of medicine that is being practiced today. Uh, for example, I have had four cancer operations in my lifetime, and um, uh, I wouldn't be alive today if, if medicine uh, hadn't made the advances that it has, and I'm sure that's true of many other people as well, well but we have to live with it. But you know, one thing I want to address, because we're almost out of time, is the if, other thing that I think is important here, and my dad sort of addressed it is the great love that he has for my mother. And I think that love, whether you have dementia or whatever you have, you can feel that in another person. My mother can feel that around my father. Absolutely. And it's beautiful to watch that. And sometimes I tear up when I'm with them. Absolutely. But you can really feel it. She knows when he's there and she knows when he's not. 
Well, I'm going to say so long. So long, okay. doctors. Wonderful talking to you. Be healthy and productive for many more years. Thank you, and the same to you. Thank my daughter, and I want to thank the good Lord for having given me children that I can be very proud of. Mm. Bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you. So long. Bye. (laughs) But, you know, but Dr. Laughlin, before we go just in a minute, I I, I want to address that piece of the love that I said with my parents. Don't you think just having, you know, knowing that, that there's love in your life makes, really adds years to your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very important issue. Yeah. Yeah, that we know that we have people there who are there for us. All right, in closing, what do you want to leave our audience with about living a long, healthy, and productive life, and here you are at 95 having done so many things? What's your message? My message is be careful, and uh, what can I say? Uh, All I can say is um, enjoy it and look forward rather than backward. And... um, I'm, I'm no great philosopher, but um, I, I think that um, all I can do is, is, is give my own experiences, and uh, if they parallel somebody else's, um, uh, I hope it will help them. Thank you very much for coming on the program, Dr. Laughlin. Well, thank, thank you, you for having web- me. It's you a pleasure. Do you have a website? A website? Yes. Not really, no. Okay. All right. Well, if people are interested, they can contact me, and we certainly can get them a hold of get the, get Yes, them and the book is available, incidentally, through Amazon. Okay. And it's available with a discount through Amazon now. Okay. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Thank you for being on the program. Okay. Dr. Harold Laughman, inspirational 95-year-old man. His book is One Man's Century with pen, brush, fiddle, and scalpel, and he's writing another book. Can you imagine? Amazing. Good inspiration for all of us as we age, and we age positively. My guest next week, and this is a pre-recorded program, is Phyllis Kosminski, Ph.D., who is a clinical social worker specializing in grief and loss. And she has her own practice in Connecticut, and her book is called Getting Back to Life When Grief Won't Heal. And it's really a book for about people who've lost a loved one who, not, who are not experiencing the grief process that has come to be described but are, but are really having problems with it, and so she's very inspirational. Folks, you're listening to Positive Living. Uh, next week is pre-recorded and the week after, but we have wonderful programs, and I'll be with you live in the new year. Until then, have a wonderful holiday. This is Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Have a great Monday and a great week. been listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's new book, Pathfinding, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to raskinresources.com and tune in next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on voiceamerica.com.